Good evening and welcome to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church in New York City, a church that is committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in an atmosphere of love. Please join us this hour as Pastor Matthew Recker opens the Word of God and then brings others, including you, into the conversation. Tonight, we'll seek to have a dialogue that will glorify God and will show how the Bible is relevant to everyday life. Our desire is to lead people to salvation in Christ and encourage believers in their spiritual growth. Join us and build up your own heritage of faith. Well, it's great to be here again on this chilly Sunday evening for the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program hosted by Pastor Matthew Recker. We count it a privilege to study the Bible with each other and with our listeners, and tonight we will continue our study in the book of Romans, diving deep into one of the most wonderful promises in all of Scripture. My name is Micah. I'm the ministry assistant at Heritage. And as always, we would like to extend an invitation to you, our listeners, to be part of our program. You can call us tonight with comments or questions, or if you would like someone to pray with you, our phone lines are open for the hour, and the number is 929-333-3739. Pastor Matt, we have a few more weeks in Romans chapter 8, but right around the corner, we will be in Romans 9, 10, and 11, chapters that are all about Israel. God's plan for Israel, how the Christian relates to Israel. So we should mention that the world's attention is once again focused on Israel tonight. Yes, sad to say, first time that Israel has declared war since 1973. Mm. And so this is very, this is a traumatic event Mm -hmm. in the the world. And we were talking just before the program and how this does remind us of Zechariah chapter 12, verse 2, where God says, Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about when they shall be in the siege, both against Judah and against Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So that's really a very interesting, powerful verse that if I were living in Israel now, I think I would be trembling. It's mm-hmm. like a cup of trembling. And yeah truly is is tragic and horrible to see the, the images coming out of Israel these days. So we mm-hmm. pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And also, it just makes us remember, Micah, it just it seems more and more this world is getting ready yeah. for the coming of Jesus Christ. And But, but first, there's going to rise up an Antichrist. And what's that Antichrist going to do? He's going to solve the impossible peace problem right, right. between <laughs> Israel and the world. Yeah. And so we see America falling. We mm. see globalism rising, which mm-hmm. is really the, the Babylon of the book of Revelation, which is a globalist ideo- a political ideology. Yeah. So we see globalism rising amongst Western nations. We see the death of America before our eyes. And now we see Israel in a very dangerous place where mm-hmm. it, it, the world could well turn against them in, in their response to this horrible, horrible attack mm-hmm, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the other things that we were saying before the program is, you know, we don't know when this is all going to go down. No. We don't know if it's tomorrow or in 10 years or in 100 years. But the Bible does indicate, if you take a literal view of the Bible and eschatology, the Bible does indicate that there's going to be a point where the world turns on Israel and there is going to be nobody there to save her. And um, at, at one point, the Antichrist is going to rise, as you mentioned, and try to broker this peace deal that yeah. will will that, create some sort of peace, yeah. some level of peace. For and that triggers and that the, the signing of that peace deal triggers the seven year period of tribulation. Yeah. As well. So, yeah. So we Daniel don't know chapter nine, Daniel chapter nine, verses 24 to 27. Right. And we don't know when exactly that's going to be, but our ears perk up. 
as as people who love Bible prophecy and pay attention to Bible prophecy, when something like this happens, we definitely like keep our eyes open. And this evening we will pray for Jerusalem and for Israel and for peace there and for many innocents who have yeah. suffer uh, who mm-hmm. are suffering even presently. Mm. So well, but on the on the good side, we are going to talk about a verse of scripture that encapsulates the script, the whole Bible, and gives hope to everyone who will trust God and love him through the trials that they're in. And so, dear friends, we're glad that you're listening. You're going to be encouraged and blessed tonight as we look at one of the great Bible promises, Romans chapter 8, verse 28, and we will consider God's wonderful plan for his children. God does have a wonderful plan to work all things together for good to them who love God to them who are the called according to his purpose. And this evening, Micah, we have my dear wife in the studio with us. So thank you, Debbie, for being with us in our program tonight. Hi, honey. I'm so I'm so happy to be here. And I want to give a, a shout out to Chloe and mm. Phoebe, who <laughs> took us out to lunch today Aww. for uh, Pastor's Appreciation Day. Oh, wow. Yeah. And we had a great, yeah. great time with them. That's right. Debbie mm-hmm. asked me as we sat at lunch, she said, Pastor, do you know what today is? I'm like, oh, no, did I forget somebody's birthday? Is it your anniversary? <laughs> I, I oh, No, I don't know what today is. Oh, wow. And she said, it's Pastor Appreciation Day. I said, oh, nobody appreciated me, so nobody. But thanks for the, they appreciated me. And they me did. Today. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't awesome. know. I didn't even know. But pa- did, so. Did Phoebe pay for it's lunch? It's Pastor's Appreciation Day. I appreciate <laughs> you. You're our, the assistant to the pastor. Pastor, mm. thank you for the great job that you do, and also Pastor Carmine in our church. Yeah, Phoebe and Chloe, they, they shelled it out tonight, uh, <laughs> today for lunch, so we had a good time. Okay, so we are going to get into Romans chapter 8, and just one verse. Micah, if you could read that verse, and then we'll pray this evening as we begin our program. Sure, Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Amen. Father God, we bow in your presence asking for your wisdom as we look into your word and we pray for our listeners that you would use this precious, powerful promise to encourage and lift up every heart to trust you in the in this trial-filled, trouble-filled life that we're living in and through. And Lord, our hearts do go to the nation of Israel tonight mm-hmm. and the terrible trauma and the horror that many are living through even at this moment. Deliver those who have been taken hostage. Mm -hmm. Give wisdom to the leaders. Give uh, safety to the military to bring those who have been taken hostage and then comfort many who have lost loved ones and many others who have been injured. Mm -hmm. Bring healing and comfort. And Lord God, we pray for our world that people will realize that your word is coming to pass Mm. even in the midst of these terrible times. Mm -hmm. So, Lord, help us to get ready for we know that you're coming soon. You're coming quickly, Lord Jesus. So may we lift up our eyes and look on the fields for the coming of the Lord, the blessed hope of Jesus Christ. So bless this time now as we look into this great verse of Scripture in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So God does have a wonderful plan for his children, and there are no limits and no exceptions to this promise to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Mm -hmm. So we see that God is at work in the world. And so, dear friends, whatever you're going through, do not faint, because God is in control. 
and he is at work. And Romans 8, verse 28, is still in the Bible, and so we can trust God. So, Micah, we're just going to take this verse basically phrase by phrase Mm -hmm. and look at it in various ways as we dissect it this evening. And hopefully our listeners will be encouraged. And dear friends, if you have something we can talk about or if you want to ask a question or if you need prayer, you get to us at 929-333-3739. But Micah, it says, for we know, and that's how it begins, for and we know, mm-hmm. and we we know, that is, <laughs> can we be truly confident? Can we actually know? that all things will work together for good? And how do we maintain that confidence even when, like, you're in the middle, stuck in an impossible situation? How Mm -hmm. can we maintain that confidence in God? Well, we can. You know, Bible-believing Christians can be truly confident that all things work together for good for two incredible reasons. Uh, The first reason is that we believe God is all-wise. Beyond our own comprehension of his wisdom, the Bible demonstrates this in many passages over and over, and it outright states it in other passages. So I'm compelled by these words of Paul later in Romans 11, verses 33 and 34. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath the mind of the Lord or who hath been his counselor? And these words, they're both a mystery because we will never fully understand the riches of God's wisdom and also a comfort because God's wisdom infinitely surpasses ours. I mean, I, I just think of, you know, if I was a little kid and my parents knew what was best and, you know, I didn't know my right hand from my left, I would just be so comforted that I had my parents there with me who knew much more. Uh, the second incredible reason that we can be confident that all things work together for good is simply because the Bible states it. And we believe God's word is perfect. Pastor, you and I had a conversation this week with an unbeliever who said that the Bible has been changed millions of times over and over the years. And, you know, he was really unwilling to hear the evidence that that was not the case, you know, and there is evidence. I think for me, at least the best example is the Dead Sea Scrolls, because those scrolls and fragments from 2,300 years ago they actually prove to us that Scripture has remained unchanged. I mean, the most recent Dead Sea Scroll discovery was from Nehemiah. And, I mean, it's word for word, it's exactly yeah. what we have. Amen. So with those two things in mind, that God is all wise and his word is true, we can be confident in the promise of Romans eight twenty eight. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, Pastor, when I think of knowing something, I think of science. And science is knowledge that can be observed, tested, and repeated. And we have definitely... Um, observed this verse, tested and repeated in the lives of faithful believers. Mm -hmm. Uh, As Micah said, we see this verse proven in the Bible stories. Um, We've read missionary stories, so we've seen this proven in the missionary testimonies, Mm -hmm. and we've seen it proven in other Christian biographies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we know. And so we have, as Debbie has said, we've seen this promise work in many, in the Bible in Bible times, but we've seen this also, haven't we, in our own lives. Mm -hmm. This word know is actually to perceive with the eyes. So it's something that we we know by experience. Mm -hmm. We know that Mm -hmm. all things work together for good. So 
you know, how many times have things just gone haywire and then it worked, the situation worked out mm. and you worried and you say, oh, I didn't have anything much to worry about. I remember one time we were driving, we were moving actually up to New York City mm-hmm. years ago. We, we b- borrowed a friend's car and a trailer and we had it hitched and we had stopped in, in my parents' house, dropped some things off there. And somehow I didn't properly rehitch the trailer to the car. So we were on a very busy highway right in the middle of rush hour, hit a bump, and that trailer literally popped off mm. the, the, the car. And it was and it went past me in the middle of the highway. I'm driving along, and the trailer's just going, you know, and sparks are flying. Oh. And I'm like, oh, no. I mean, some, I thought somebody was going to get killed, if not me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because it could have hit it could have hit a bus, yeah. for example. It mm-hmm. could have hit a car. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could have caused a terrible accident. But that car, that, that trailer went like this, and then it went over to the side, and it went right into the median of the highway, and it stopped right there. Hmm. And nothing happened. Wow. And I couldn't believe it, <laughs> you know. But it worked out for good. So God worked that situation out, and we got up there safely. So we know, we can have confidence that even when things happen that you think could be tragedy, God will work it out for good. And we know this by experience. So not only this, okay, so that's the first thing, the confidence, our confidence, dear friends, maintain a confidence that God's plan will work for good. He is perfect in wisdom. He is powerful. He knows everything. He's loving. He's gracious because of who God is and because how he has worked things out in in the past of those in the Bible in our lives, we can have that confidence. Second is the completeness of God's plan because it says, and we know that all things, that's the completeness, not some things, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So <laughs> Debbie, what does it mean that all things and not just a couple things are going to work out for good. So definitely, uh, life is a complex thing. But Jesus said that God knows the number of hairs on our heads. Mm-hmm. And so, and I want to note that that number is always changing. <clears throat> and um, I, have a, I have a story, a personal story, but I'll tell that maybe later. Okay. So I do believe that all things means that God does look after every complex detail of life. And I think all things means there are no limits, no exceptions to this promise. And, you know, we, even as you said, we have seen God's love and faithfulness to you and to me in big things and small things. And I believe God, our Savior, has designed this world with his good purpose in his mind. And he has the supernatural ability to keep track of every story in the whole world. And, Mm. you know, as our circumstances change, God is all-knowing and all-powerful. Yeah. And he can turn hardships into blessings when we trust in him. Amen. Amen. Mm. Micah? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to your story about the hairs on Yeah, the hairs on head. my head. <laughs> Sometimes some of us may be more sensitive about that than others. But I think, you know, it sound, what it sounds like to me is the three of us would be the first ones to admit that in a fallen world, it sometimes takes effort to believe that all things, the all things part of that verse. So there are times when, you know, it's quite difficult to square the things we see around us or even in our own situations with these words. And so we need to remind us of our, you know, of this verse over and over. So I sure am thankful that the verse doesn't say some things work together for good, because if that were the case, we would never know which were which. We would just assume that any difficulty or trial surely fell into the category of, oh, that that specific thing is not for our good. But no, Romans eight twenty eight says all 
things. And we have many other scriptures which explain how times of testing and temptation are also actually for our good. So I thought of straight out of the gate, you know, James, he's writing his epistle. And right after he introduces himself in verse one, in verse two, it says, my brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. James 1, 2 through 4. So James, you know, he sits down to write his letter, his only letter that we have in the Bible. And this is one of the very first things he says, that all things work together for your good, even the trials and temptations. And the reality is we're in this world of terrible injustice. So Mm -hmm. many things are going to be happening to us that are going to seem like, God isn't in control, or mm-hmm. that certainly isn't going to work out for good. And we're going to talk about working out for good. That doesn't mean that it, we're, it, everything's going to be painless. Mm-mm. That doesn't mean that that we're not going to have any problems. God's definition, and we'll talk about that in a little while, but God's mm-hmm. definition of good really is important to the, uh, to the overall interpretation of this verse, mm-hmm. and it's quite different from ours. Mm-hmm. And that's why we can definitely say all things. Mm -hmm. And of course, the Lord Jesus Christ is the ultimate example of this, Mm -hmm. because he endured the most hateful, horrible injustice that a truly good man, you Mm -hmm. know, people say, why do bad things happen to good people? Mm -hmm. Well, none of us are good, but there was one absolutely good. And the most horrible thing happened to the only good man who's mm-hmm. ever been on the earth, the yeah. Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And if anything ever worked out for good, it was that horrible injustice. Yeah. And so if God could work the horrible injustice to the truly good man, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he took all of our suffering and all of our pain through the through his trial and through his death and then defeat it all mm. and it works out for good. Yeah. And, you know, Pastor, of course, that is the ultimate example, Jesus Christ and what he had to suffer on the cross for us. Um, but another, I think, example in the Bible that we just see over and over is Israel itself. So we're so we are talking, we open this program talking about Israel um, in our men's Bible study in our church, Iron Sharpens Iron. We're going through the book of Judges and we're only through chapter three. But already you just see that, you know, Israel turns away from God and he uses um, a trial, a tribulation, an oppressor, you know, a country or a king coming in to oppress that land in order to bring them to the place where they cry out to him. Now, Israel may or may not be crying out in full repentance and become completely right with God, but God is using the trials in their lives to say, you have to turn your attention to me. And I do believe that even when we look at the Bible as a whole, that is what he's doing to Israel. And in the end, they are going to turn to him even yeah. through being oppressed through all these other nations. Right. And, you know, and God's people have often had to also experience the lies of others in order to stand on God's word that might not seem good. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking in this instance about Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. When Israel was taken into captivity, mm-hmm. there were false prophets who were telling the people This is when Israel was taken into captivity in Babylon, Mm -hmm. and there were people, in the the prophets in Jerusalem were telling people, oh, they're just going to be in captivity for two more years. Mm. Two more years, and Israel will come out of captivity. Mm -hmm. And Jeremiah was saying, nope, sorry, guys, it's not two years. It's going to be 70 years. God has has ordained 70 years for this captivity. Mm -hmm. And, And then God said, 
thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years are accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word Mm. toward you. So Mm -hmm. God was going to work it out for good, Mm -hmm. but not in their timetable, Mm -hmm. in his timetable. And then is that famous verse you see in the the Hallmark cards, Mm -hmm. you know, Jeremiah 29, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Mm. So Romans 8, 28, ties into that, that God's thoughts toward us are for our ultimate peace. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that all our prayers are going to be answered at just the the way we want them answered. It's just the time we want them answered in. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to wait for God's time and Mm -hmm. it will work out for good. Yeah. Hopefully we don't have to wait 70 years in most cases, but (laughs) we can stand on that promise. Yeah, but all things work out uh, together for good, dear friends. And you know, I, I do. I, I, can I sh- share a quick story? Yeah. So our first daughter, we were so excited to have our first baby, mm-hmm. weren't we, Debbie? And we were yeah. we were going to have we were we were going to the we we were going to have our baby through the help me out with the words here through the maternity through center. the maternity the center midwives with midwives. a midwife. Oh. midwife right we were going to do this so natural, natural. Yeah. natural yeah. yeah and and have our daughter together so we were going to all the classes but then it turned out that our baby was breached oh, uh-huh. so De- debbie would be on the floor and i'd be praying over you know her belly growing mm. the lord turn the baby around turn mm. the baby around that mm-hmm. we could have you know a natural childbirth at the maternity center with midwives mm-hmm. and we prayed and prayed but rachel didn't turn around mm. but yet then god gave us a, a, a wonderful doctor that mm-hmm. we had in in such an instance. Yeah. And I was able to be there for her birth. Mm-hmm. I saw the doctor take our daughter out of my wife's mm-hmm. belly and unwrap <laughs> the the cord, um, from, cord. Yeah, mm-hmm. from her head three times. She oh. was like pretty much purple. So, oh you know, goodness. thank God yeah. that we had a healthy Amen. baby. Yeah. And then we, we, through that, we got a great baby doctor who helped us in the delivery of our, of our other two kids. So mm. God worked it out Amen. for Amen. good. That was wow. great. Yeah. He was a great doctor. And, yeah, he was a great doctor. So and calm. And then the, our nice. other two children, we were able to have, Debbie was able to have through natural childbirth. Oh. In other words, not, they, yeah. some doctors, once you get a C-section, they think you have to always, always have, have a C-section. Yeah, but, but mm. yeah that, not this guy. This was yeah. great. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, God is good. Mm. So we see, dear friends, the confidence we can have in God's plan, the completeness, the completeness that all things, and now we see the harmony. It says all things work together. So there's a harmony in God's plan. There are ingredients that go into our life, and God puts those ingredients together so that they work out for good. It's kind of like the guy who prayed, Lord, I don't like the taste of flour. And Lord, you know, I don't like the taste of baking powder and the taste of shortening. I cannot stand. But when you (laughs) add a little bit of salt to that flour and baking powder and shortening, I sure love biscuits. (laughs) And so that's the harmony of God's plan. He Mm. puts different things together. So, Micah, there will be times in our life where it seems like things aren't working for good. Mm-hmm. But what say you to this? Well, um, you know, my mind went immediately to Jacob in uh, Genesis 42. You know, he he said, he, he there's this famous quote, he says, all these things are against me. Yeah. You know, so he was in this position where he did not believe 
in the Romans 8.28, which, of course, had not been written for several thousand years. But the context of the quote was, he's an old man. You know, he and his family were on the verge of starving to death in Canaan. His son Simeon had been taken captive in Egypt, and now there was a good chance that the same would happen to his youngest son, Benjamin. So on top of the fact that his favored son, Joseph, he believed had been dead for 20 years at that point. You know, and his favorite wife, Rachel, has also had also been dead. So in that moment, we hear Jacob's cry that no, things were not working together for his good. And it's not unheard of for each of us to feel like that at certain times. And the question is, how can we have hope in those moments, trusting that God will bring it all together for our good? And there are many things that, in addition to what we already have spoken about, that bring us hope. So one thing is that we have these scriptural examples of God turning things around. God highlighted these true stories for us in his word for a reason. So we read on in Genesis and Mm. see that God did turn things around for Jacob, bringing all his sons back to him in a way that he never, ever could have imagined. So another thing that brings us hope is our own past. You know, every Christian I know has had moments, just like the stories that you guys just told, where God has dramatically turned things around for them, And so in the difficult moments, we must look back on what God had done before, trusting that he has our good in mind now. And one one biblical story that I just regularly bring up because it just is so meaningful to me is um, the story of Joshua. You know, he brought the children of Israel through the Jordan River and he said, now set up 12 memorial stones. Go back into the the riverbed, pick up 12 stones and set them up. Why? So that they could remember. So every time they were facing difficulty as, as they were going into the promised land and fighting against the enemies, they could turn back and look at those 12 mm. stones. And even their children who weren't there at the time could turn back and look at those mm. 12 stones and say, look what God did for us then. We mm. can trust him now. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. It, it always seems like things could just turn into disaster. I mean, you just mentioned Israel going through the Jordan and the 12 stones. And remember when they went through the Red Sea the first time, and they were just all just a a, a group of complainers there. Yeah. And like, why'd you bring us out here to die, you know, in this wilderness? And know? I would have been one as well. But, but, <laughs> yeah, but can you, can you imagine any situation more turning out for good? God yeah. opens up the Red Sea, yeah. and then they go to the other side, and they sing the first song in the Bible, the, the, and... And yeah. so God works things together for good. Yeah, yeah. Well, even as Micah talked about the perspective of looking back at those stones, mm-hmm. um, and you talked about the biscuit illustration, I have another illustration similar similar to that. You know, it's the the tapestry that mm-hmm. uh, where the back side of the tapestry looks like a mess mm-hmm. uh, because there are a lot of colors and the strands of yarn don't seem to have any order. Mm-hmm. But on the other side, and that is the key. Mm -hmm. You have to use a different perspective. Mm. On the other side, the tapestry is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it it is the scriptures that help us grow in our belief that all things are working together for good. Mm. And so studying the Bible helps me change my perspective to be more like Mm. God's perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, Pastor and Debbie, we don't recommend movies too, too often on this radio program, (laughs) but I will recommend The Prince of Egypt if there are people out there who've never watched it. It's the story of Moses. Mm. And, you know, eventually one of the climax moments is they do go through the Red Sea. But there's a song and it's um, in in the movie, it's sung by Jethro, Moses's father-in-law, where Moses is in this moment where he just doesn't understand what is going on with his life. And the song is called Through Heaven's Eyes. 
so it talks about as you just said debbie it's the perspective if you have heaven's perspective and i'll just read the first verse of that song it says a single thread in a tapestry though its color brightly shine can never see its purpose in the pattern of the grand design. And I just remember the visuals of that movie. It shows the back of the tapestry, Mm -hmm. just as you mentioned, and then it shows the front of it, and it's beautifully designed. Mm -hmm. And he was just, Jethro, in that moment, was trying to tell Moses, Moses, you can't see right now what God is doing, but it's a beautiful thing that he's doing. He's going to use you for a great purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, Job is is just a, a great example of this as well in the harmony of things working together for good and it was just one tragedy piled up on top of another mm-hmm. but James chapter 5 verse 11 says behold we count them happy which endure and you have heard of the patience of Job mm-hmm. my mother always used to say that says you that guy had the patience of Job <laughs> isn't it amazing how Phrases from the Bible become common cliches. Mm -hmm. But he says, you have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy, dear friends. The end of the Lord. God harmonizes all things together to bring about an end whereby he will show his tender mercies and his compassions. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go to a song right now, dear friends. And if you need prayer this evening, you're going through some trial and you need to be bolstered and encouraged to have confidence to know that all things, the completeness of God's plan will harmonize together for good. You get to us as we listen to this beautiful song, Still my soul be still. And the number is 929-333-3739. Get to us now. 333-3739. Still, my soul be still, and do not fear. The winds of change may rage tomorrow. God is at your side, no longer dread the fires of unexpected sorrow. God, you are my God, and I will trust in you and not be shaken. steadfast spirit within me to rest in you alone. Still, my soul be still, do not be moved by lesser lights and fleeting shadows. Hold on to his ways with shield of faith against temptation's flaming arrows. God, you are my God, and I will trust in you and not be shaken. Lord of peace, renew a steadfast spirit within me.
still do not forsake the truth you learned in the beginning wait upon the Lord and hope will rise as stars appear when day is dimming God you are my God and I will trust in you and not be shaken Lord of peace renew a steadfast spirit within me to rest in you alone still my soul be still still my soul be Yes, and we need to be still in such a day. And we have a call tonight, Micah, from Freddie. And thank you for calling, Freddie. And did you have a question this evening? And welcome to the Heritage of Faith Conversations program. Yes, yes, I do. My question is, when you look at at the disaster that took place in Israel just overnight, how, how could you go to the people there? Because I suppose you have... God-fearing people there, people who believe in Christ. How do you go to these people and tell them all things work together for good? What, what, what is the good in that? Yeah. Well, again, in the book of Job, Freddie, there is a situation where Job, Job faced, if you will, in his family and amongst his servants, a terrorist attack that even reminds us of this awful terrorist attack of Hamas into the land of Israel yesterday, where it says the Chaldeans, in Job chapter 1, verse 17, made out three bands, and they fell upon the camel, camels and have carried them away and slew the servants with the edge of the sword. So this was a brutal attack mm-hmm. against Job's workers, mm-hmm. and it was a terrible thing. And yet, so what does Job do? He he goes on this sackcloth and ashes, right? And and he says, though God slay him, he will still trust in him. And then these counselors came to Job. They didn't do a great job, and a lot of things did happen. But I would tell them of the story of Job, Freddie, and I would tell them what Job said. Job said, though God slay me, I will still trust him. So I would still tell these dear ones to trust God And then I would say, say as Job, I know my Redeemer liveth, Mm. and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. So even though these tragedies happen, still know that there's a Redeemer. And then I would tell these dear Jewish people, if they don't know Jesus, to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as Redeemer. Because if they're not saved... And if they're if they're Jewish, I want to presume that they don't believe Jesus is the Messiah and they need to be saved. And perhaps it's this trial, right? It's this trial that could lead to their salvation. So in that way, it would work out for their eternal good. Okay, I'm not convinced. I'm not okay, convinced. Okay, Freddie. Well, I, would, I, would well, I appreciate that, but I do. Uh, your question is a good question. Yeah. But all I'm saying is that Job endured something very, very similar. It was a terrorist attack. Mm -hmm. And yet we see the end of Job's life, and it did work out for good. And and Job also did lose his ten children. 
Um, he he lost his ten children, and when his three friends came, as as you said, Pastor, um, they didn't do a great job as far as their counsel. But I do think the one thing that they did that was good is when they first got there, yeah. they just sat with him. They I just know. sat with him for a number of days. Was it something? Was it seven days? They just sat with him and didn't say a word, and that would have been comforting to Job. And so I just think if if I knew somebody where something like this happened. You know, I wouldn't go there and just immediately open my mouth and immediately rattle off Romans eight twenty eight. At first, I would mourn with those who mourn and just sit there and try to comfort yeah. that person. I, th- those men have to be commended because, uh, for that. For mm-hmm. seven days, yeah. giving that amount of time to Job in that situation is definitely commendable. And like you said, they didn't uh, give all the right answers, and God does correct them clearly for their error in that. Mm-hmm. But they did give a lot of time and uh, to Job in that way. Mm-hmm. Okay, so thank you for the question, Freddie. And it's very timely. And our prayers do go out for those who are going through this. And it's it's easy for it's easier for me to say Romans eight twenty eight than for them. Or if I were in that situation, mm-hmm. I don't know whether I would be like. I I might question it, too, Mm -hmm. uh, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. But still, the Bible is the Bible, Mm -hmm. and we have to stand and trust God's Word. So we see next the faithfulness of God's plan. So we've looked at having confidence in His plan, the completeness of it, all things, the harmony of His plan, they work together, and then the faithfulness of His plan, things work together for good. So the faithfulness of God's plan is seen in those two words, for good. How can God promise this, though? Freddie just asked it. In a world of death and suffering and disaster and so many tragedies and injustices, how can God promise this, uh, Sister Debbie, in such a world? So I see two ways it works out for good, for me personally and also for uh, God's big plan. Mm-hmm. Um God's definition of good is often different than ours, and this is shown in Psalm 119.71, which says, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, mm, yeah. that I might learn thy statutes. And so, of course, I don't like to be afflicted, mm-hmm. but God wants me to learn his statutes, mm-hmm. so he allows different trials mm-hmm. in my life. And as we said from the Harmony section, we do believe that God is orchestrating the circumstances of my life and the lives of other Christians so that we can become more like his obedient son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus is God the Father's definition of a good person. And so that's what God is trying to do in my life personally. But then he also has a big plan, his master plan. God is working out the good details of his very, very, very good master plan. Mm -hmm. And that's what's happening in Israel. We know in the Bible, the end of the story. Mm -hmm. And so obviously, if we're going to speak to somebody, we have to have a bridge built before we can just start, you know, quoting Bible verses at people. Mm -hmm. Like we said that Job's friend sat with him for a number of days. Mm -hmm. But um, I think of others in the Bible that have had trials, like, for example, in the book of Ruth, there was a very bad famine and there was a very sad death of Mm -hmm. Ruth's husband. Mm -hmm. But God used those to bring Ruth to the land of Israel to marry Boaz and out of that marriage came King David Mm -hmm. which was part of God's big plan that's right so we see the good working out in the end I think that's a great point that God's definition of good isn't like ours 
God's definition of good is his plan, master plan, is being worked out. Mm -hmm. And there's some, in that working out, there's going to be distasteful things. Mm -hmm. And not only that, in his master plan for good in our lives individually, it's that we become more like Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ is good. So God uses good and bad things. He uses trials and triumphs. He uses pain and pleasure Mm -hmm. to make us more like Jesus Christ. And that's what he was doing in, in, you bring out the book of Ruth, in Naomi's life. Mm -hmm. She went out happy and she came home bitter. It didn't seem like it was working out good for Mm -hmm. old Naomi, Mm -hmm. you know, at all. But yet Mm -hmm. it was, dear friend. And so God is working in our life. And that's what the next two verses in Romans chapter 8 say and talk about. To conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. So that's his definition of good, is that we are going to become like Jesus. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. And so God is going to work everything out for that end in Mm. view. Yeah. And, you know, I was listening to an online book club this week and they were actually studying the book of Job. And um, the moderator, who was a former atheist, he said that there are really no great arguments against the existence of God. But the argument that is the most compelling for those who don't believe in God is the problem of pain and suffering. And I just think, you know, there are probably lots of atheists out there today mm. looking at the Middle East and just saying, you know, where is God? Like, you yeah. know, the, the Arab people believe in a God. The Jewish people believe in God. Where is God? You know, he, he there must be no God. And this former atheist, now a believer, pointed out that while the secular view is that suffering is the worst thing in the world that can ever happen to somebody, pain and suffering can actually be for our good if the way we react to it is sanctifying and causes Mm. us to grow closer to God. So again, amongst the most beautiful examples of how this works is the story of Job. And, you know, we rightly give Job a lot of credit for being a righteous man, as does the scriptures, but he wasn't perfect. And God knew that Job could be brought even deeper into his faith. And so Mm -hmm. the extreme pain and suffering that he experienced, by the end of the book, Job repents in dust and ashes for his own judgment on God. And he now understands God in a way that he never could before. And I love the verse, uh, you know, in the very last chapter of Job 42, verse five, he says, I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now Mm. mine eye seeth thee. So that's what pain and suffering did for Job. It revealed God and it can do the same for us. That's right. So dear friends, What if you've married an unsafe person and now you're experiencing the difficult consequences of that? What if you've been divorced and your heart is overwhelmed with pain of that divorce and you wonder whether you should get remarried? What if you've been fired from your job and now you have financial difficulties in your life and you're sitting there wondering How can these things work out for good now? Well, dear friends, we encourage you to just get on your knees and fall in love with Jesus Christ, because we're going to talk about this. And also, if you need somebody to help you in a time of trouble in your life, maybe such as like Job was going through, and you feel like cursing the day of your birth, but you know you can't because God has given you life. Give us a call right now at 929-333-3739. And I am convinced of this. 
that God can take the injustices of this world. Mm -hmm. He can take the sins that other people have done against you so that you could even say you have been a victim of their deed. But God can work that out for good, Mm -hmm. as he did for Joseph, Mm -hmm. who was a victim of abuse in his family. Mm -hmm. But God worked it out for good, as he did for Job, as Micah just so eloquently shared, as he did for Ruth, as my wife earlier referenced. So, dear friends, give us a call right now at 929-333-3739. Um, yeah, and Pastor, just as you were talking about, you know, that pain and that suffering and what it can actually do, you know, I, I thought also of that C.S. Lewis quote, you know, and I'll, and I'll read sort of the long version of it. C.S. Lewis said, we can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, yeah. speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Yeah, and and just from the practical standpoint, if we didn't feel pain, we wouldn't know we had a problem. Mm-hmm. The feeling of pain just means you have a problem. So if we feel pain in our physical in our physical body, it might mean that we have cancer. And and it's a a pain is like a warning light that goes off that we need to take care of something. So maybe you have pain and then you get diagnosed with cancer, but at least thank God the pain alerted you that you had the cancer. So that pain yeah. will work out for good so that you can be treated for that. Yeah, and just let me give you an example of that. I, I We were talking to a guy the other night and he said you know, he had a pain in his stomach, so he went in to get it taken care of. And it wasn't cancer that was the pain, but in the investigation of the pain, they found the cancer. Yeah. So that's exactly what you were just talking about. It's a real-world version of it. And, Pastor, we do have a phone call from Isai, and um, he has a comment for us. Okay, Isai, welcome to the Heritage of Faith Conversations, and you're on. Praise the Lord. Uh, I want to thank you for taking my call. And I, w- I would like to say a little bit about that, Joe. You know, uh, the bill... Uh, Try to provoke God to destroy our job, and, uh, and he told he told Satan that Job was a dope right person and a man. He was perfect, and he was God fearing, and uh, that's why he, he, he prospered in everything he and that's why he had God protection. The devil couldn't get to him, so he wanted God to destroy him, and when. God allowed all the all this uh, calamity to happen to our uh, uh He said, "Naked I came into the world, and I naked I will return." So he wasn't putting anything before. He, he wasn't putting uh, anything that he had—sons and daughter and possession—before God. Okay, God aside. Thank you, uh, aside. Thank you. Thank you so much for calling, and thank you for giving us these insights to the book of to, to the book of Job. But just because of the matter, because of time constraints for the program, we, uh, appreciate so much you sharing what you did. But we're just going to have to let you go at that point. So thank you, Asai, for calling, and thank you for listening to our program this evening. And so, dear friends, Romans 8.28 is God's wonderful master plan for his children. And we can have confidence that we know that there's a completeness, that all things are going to harmonize, work together for good. And that's the, because God is ever faithful, dear friends. 
But then finally, this verse does tell us two very important conditions of God's plan. And they are to that it's to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose. So this promise is not for the unsaved or those who are living in stubborn rebellion against God. So let's look at these two conditions. And the first condition here, Sister Debbie, is that one must love God. Amen. So talk to us about this condition and why it's important. Right. So the first condition is to love the true God mm-hmm. and not a God of your imagination. Mm. This promise, um, all things working together for good in Romans eight twenty eight, it's for them who love the God of the Bible. Mm-hmm. So the promise, it's not for those who love sin. Mm-hmm. It's not for those who love themselves or who love riches or who love immorality. Mm. Um, you know, people often want the Lord to approve of their worldly pleasures. Mm. And then they feel slighted. You know, when the stock market goes down or their immoral boyfriend cheats on them. Mm. So God says we we have to love him first. And, you know, when we see like how a young man like Joseph in the Bible, Mm -hmm. he did love God. And then he had a time of testing Mm -hmm. and then God promoted Joseph. Mm -hmm. And it was because Joseph loved the true God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And, you know, Debbie, you were mentioning even the story of Ruth earlier. And, you know, I can't th- help but think, you know, all that God did for Ruth was because she loved him. Amen. You know, and she learned to love him. You know, the situation was terrible. You know, uh, Naomi had come down with her husband and their two sons. And one of the sons married Ruth, but the husband died and both of Naomi's sons died. Incredible. So, you know, for Ruth, you know, she married into this family and all of a sudden her father-in-law is dead, her brother-in-law is dead, and her husband is dead. Mm. And she had the choice, just like, you know, her sister-in-law to just stay in Moab, go back to her family, go back to worshiping the gods that the Moabites worshiped. But she said, no, I'm not going to do that. And speaking to her mother-in-law, Naomi, Ruth said, For whither thou goest, I will go, and whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. And that is just, you know, it's one of those verses in the Bible that people point to just how incredible her sacrifice was, Mm. her selflessness, Mm. her desire to take care of her mother-in-law, who was really just at the bottom. She was going to be at the Mm. bottom of society when she went back to Bethlehem. Mm. But also that statement really displays Ruth's love for God. So she had learned enough from Naomi and possibly uh, probably her husband about the God of Israel, and she just fell in love with him and wanted to have that relationship. So all things work together for Ruth's good. Amen. You know, and I'm thinking of Moses, too, in the book of Numbers in chapter 11, when the the fire of the Lord came down and consumed different people in the camp because of because of their their complaining. And then Moses really struggled with this. And and he even wishes in himself to die. And he's complaining to the Lord. And he says, I'm not able to bear all this people alone. It's too heavy for me. Mm. And if you if you're going to deal with me like this, Lord, kill me. Kill me. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, kill me. (laughs) Take my life away. But yet the Lord then spoke to Moses and encouraged him. I mean, in, in Moses's weakness, God didn't just say, Moses, will you just quit complaining and just take it like a man? No, actually, the Lord in mercy said, Moses, gather 
the 70 men of the elders of Israel and bring them to the tabernacle of the congregation. And God said, I will come down Mm. and talk with you there. Mm -hmm. I will come down and meet with you and talk with you. Mm -hmm. And so, dear friends, even in those moments Mm -hmm. where you want to die, Mm. God can work that out for good. Mm -hmm. And God God will meet you at your lowest moment. Mm. And he can also bring other people around you. If you are going through a d- very difficult time, God told Moses, bring those 70 people. Mm-hmm. What do you say the other day, that mm. the happy people in the world are those who have good relationships, Micah, yeah. well, they, as they, well? Mm-hmm. And so here there's relationships involved with Moses mm-hmm. in being lifted up, that he wasn't as alone as he thought. Because when we're going through those difficult times, we mm-hmm. often feel so alone, don't yeah. we? But when we love God, there will be others who will encircle mm-hmm. us. Yeah, and I think, I mean, Ruth... You know, she, it was all about that relationship that she had with Naomi. Yeah. Job, we were talking about his friends and their relationship that they had. Yeah. But you're referring to the other day I was mentioning to you that there have been many studies about um, people who live long lives and people who are happy. And the one commonality that I found from these studies is they said that people who have meaning relationships are healthier and they live longer. And, yeah. you know, that takes, you know, that, that doesn't necessarily speak of God in that equation, but God created us all for relationships. Yeah. So yes, of course, the most relationship, the most important relationship in our lives is the one with him, but he also meant for us to be in relationship with each other. Iron sharpens iron, as Proverbs yeah. says. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is a beautiful thing, and I'm going to actually use it as an opportunity, dear friends. If you don't have a good church, that you're a part of, you need to come on out or find a good Bible-believing church. And we welcome you to Heritage Baptist Church on Sunday at 490 Hudson Street in Greenwich Village, Manhattan. If you're in New Jersey, just take the path train right to Christopher Street, literally a half a block away from the Christopher Street path train stop. And the closest train other than that in the city is the number one train to Christopher Street, Sheridan Square. Visit us at Heritage Baptist Church. 10 a.m. is our Bible study hour. 11 a.m. is our morning service. But God told Moses when he wanted to die, he says, they shall bear the burden Mm -hmm. of the people with you. You don't have to bear your burdens alone. You can be with other people and share your burden. So lastly, Micah, there's the last condition, not just to love God, but to those who are called according to his Mm -hmm. purpose. So what, what is that? How can you break that for us? Yeah, so the second condition, in addition to loving God, the second condition of this promise is that all things work together for the good of those who are the called according to his purpose. And all believers fall into this category. They're called in one way or another. And when they respond to that call in the affirmative, they become part of the multitude over the centuries that um, Romans 8.28 applies to. And it's interesting to consider as Paul's writing these words that he was called and he probably was even remembering his own dramatic call Mm. where he's knocked off his horse, blinded by the bright light of Jesus. Now, I also believe that loving God and answering his call are intertwined. So don't think that one can have Mm. one without the other. Mm. You must have both. You're called and you love God. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, thank you, Debbie, for being with us here tonight. Thank you, dear friends, for listening. And, and we know that God is going to bring this promise about in our lives and in yours. So love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, because he is worthy of your love no matter what you're going through. And thank God for his call in your life. And remember Jesus Christ, that he loved his father, and he was called, and he is risen again. Amen. God bless you. Amen.
Thank you for tuning in to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program. To find out more about Heritage Baptist Church and our service times and locations, visit our website at hbcnyc.org. We stream multiple services online each week, including 11 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7.15 p.m. Wednesday nights. All are welcome, and you can find links to participate in our services on our website, hbcnyc.org. And join us again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for another Heritage of Faith conversation sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church. Until then, rejoice in the Lord.